0: On this episode of the Advanced Foundations podcast, basic training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the army of God. Welcome to part two of basic training. I want to do just a quick review. What we're talking about here in this is a material that we've developed to help you grow as a disciple, to accomplish what Christ wants us to accomplish for him. We talked about when you go into military service, you go through a basic training. The reason for basic training to get you in shape, so you can do what you're supposed to do. Well, likewise, if we're going to be disciples of Christ and we're going to do what He's called us to do, we need to get in shape also. So we talked about last week about how Jesus established a pattern for us. We looked at Luke chapter three. I want to look at this again. Since when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was open. Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and the voice spoke from heaven, said, you're my beloved son, and you, I'm well pleased. Now, all of that is for us to understand that basically Jesus established a pattern for us so that we would know what to do also. After Jesus was water baptized, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He came out of that temptation, out of those times of testing, And then he went and he literally quoted out of Isaiah, read out of Isaiah, his job description, which we find in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And then he went out and he did that. So the premise of our basic training is that we need to follow the pattern of Jesus. We need to understand the purpose of the wilderness, which is God's workout room. We need to, so that we can accomplish what God's called us to to do. And so we looked at last week, The whole issue of being born again, being water baptized, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. So now this week, what I want to do in this particular part, I want to look at the aspect of receiving the love of the Father. Now, to me, I believe this is one of the most important manifestations of the Holy Spirit coming into my life. Uh, I said earlier that I encountered the Holy Spirit in 1982 in a meeting the first thing that happened to me is that I got a revelation of the awesome love of the Father. And it, I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't particularly asking for it. I just, all of a sudden, I just got, wow, my Father loves me. And I mean, that just something that dropped into me. Um, it, it changed my life. I've shared it with people, but it's not something that I, I tried to go seek after, chase after, it just happened. But it's so important. Now, the question is, is that, you know, did Jesus need the affirmation of the Father? When you think about that for a moment, I mean, does Jesus need anything? Uh, Obviously not. Is Jesus being the Son of God? He doesn't. But it obviously was important enough to put it in the scriptures and record it the way it was. Why? Again, for us. If Jesus needed the affirmation of the Father, how much more do we need? the affirmation of the Father also in our lives. So that's what I want to look at. We talked about the reason that it's so important for the Holy Spirit to be endued clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who actually releases the love of the Father to us. This is Romans chapter 5, 5 through 8. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow, that's amazing. And So why it's important to completely embrace the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that causes the love of God to come alive in our lives. I can know intellectually that God loves me, but God's love is not to be something just intellectually understood, it's to be something to be experienced in my heart. The experiencing of God's love in my heart changes my life. The, the not just knowing about it, which I do need to know, but I can intellectually understand things, and especially in Western culture, we have a tendency to understand things but a lot of times we don't walk those things out. Truthfully, in many other cultures, they're more experiential uh, and not maybe go at things from their mind. But we need to receive love. Love is not just an emotion. Uh, love is an action. When Jesus, he demonstrated love. He, he didn't just talk about it. He didn't say, I love you, uh, though he does. But no, he went to the cross demonstrating what true love is. It was laying his life down for us. It wasn't just discussed. didn't say, I love you, and then let's see what happens. No, he demonstrated love as an act of, of an action of giving his life away. He gave it for us. And so that's why we keep talking about this love. Love is so important. Uh, and, and being grounded in the love of the Father establishes us with a foundation. Again, premise. If we're going into the wilderness, a time of testing and trials, of pressure, of all the things that happen in that series, we need to be sure that we know, number one, that God loves me. He doesn't just love the world. God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that scripture, John 3, 16. No, he loves me. He loves you. And you need to personalize this. This is so, so, so very, very important. He loves you. Now, I want to go to Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is a passage of Scripture that I I believe just is profound. We need to understand Romans 8 verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Therefore, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God And the children and heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, why I believe this is such an important passage is because when you go back to the garden in Genesis chapter three, and you go back to the fall of the garden, what happened there is that when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they separated themselves from God. God didn't actually separate from them because God actually came to them. But what happened was that they separated from God and what happened to them is that they began to think and act rejected and they began to think and act as an orphan. And I'm not being derogatory of an orphan, but I'm just talking about they began to move away from the presence of God. They moved away from complete acceptance of him and they moved into a place of where they were performing to be accepted. Now, we've been infected by that, all of us. And what what that means is, is that we have a tendency, we grow up in a home, most of us, where we had to do what was right to be accepted. And I'm not blaming parents. I'm just saying it's just how we're raised. We go to school. If I do right, I'm accepted. If I do perform well, wherever it is, whether it's in, in music or whether it's sports or whatever it is, it's constantly being measured. What that does is is establish us in performance to be accepted. If I perform well, I feel okay. If I don't perform so well, I feel terrible. Well, God's love is not based upon that. And we have a tendency to get caught up in that. So what Romans 8 says is that God didn't give you a spirit of bondage to get into fear, but he gave to you the spirit of adoption. What the Holy Spirit does, that's why it's so important for us to embrace the Holy Spirit, because what he does, he causes us, to all of a sudden realize that, wait a minute, my acceptance is not based on my performance. This is huge. My acceptance is based upon him choosing me. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I I, can cry out daddy. I mean, God is restoring us to a relationship with him by the spirit. It's not based on our performance. It's based on his performance. It's so, so huge. He loves us. He's given us everything. He wants us to know His love. That's why He's given us His Spirit, so that we can cry out. And He loves us so much, so that we can give Him our whole heart and fully be embraced. Not because we did something right, and we can embrace Him because not because we did something wrong. It's just because His magnificent love is so great, and it's the Holy Spirit that causes that to be real in our lives. God's not like our earthly father, mother. He's not, like, he's not based the relationship upon our performance. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we don't have to perform to be accepted? Now, I'm going to read uh, John 17. This is uh, Jesus' prayer to the Father. I just want to read a couple of verses here. Verse 23. It said, that Jesus, Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. He's talking about to disciples and those who believe in him. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. not that amazing what Jesus' prayer is? He's saying, look, Father, I want them to know the same love that you've loved me with because now you love them. And in verse 26, the last verse of, of John 17, so I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love of with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Love never fails. Love's the greatest force on the face of the earth. It never fails. And so we have the love of the Father is what establishes us with a foundation that cannot be shaken. Now, that's not the only thing. It goes on to say, this Romans 8 15 said, the Spirit bears witness that an internal witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. I'm a a children of God. Uh, What is that saying? Well, what that does is it restores me to the lost identity that that Adam lost in the garden. So now I'm a child of God. So not only am I loved by the Father, but He has brought me into the family, and now I'm His son or His daughter. Have been restored to the Christ was in uh, that God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to Himself not imputing their sins to them. So we have been restored to a relationship into the family of God. Now, Paul uses the term in him or in Christ throughout his writings in the New Testament. That is our position. So why this is so important for us to, and again, we've got other teachings on this, but why this is so important is because your new identity, my new identity, is not my old self, it's what Christ says that I am. So, here's the two things I'd ask you to do. Have you ever asked the Father through the Spirit to show you how He sees you? Have you ever asked Him to really reveal to you what he, how He feels about you? You need to. The other thing you need to do is examine yourself. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as the old person, uh, a failure, what somebody did to you, what you did to somebody? Do you see yourself that way? Because God wants to sh- show you that that is not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to stop this part right here because it's so important to know his love and to know his identity, to know your identity It's in Christ. Now I want to go back to Luke chapter four. And uh, these are... When we talk about the love, identity, and and purpose, uh, we've actually got a, a teaching on that, and I encourage you to to be able to uh, to get that also. Back to Luke chapter four. After Jesus was water baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and Father spoke from heaven, said, "You're my beloved Son." Luke chapter four verse one said, "Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness." being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Well, I want to just, just stop there in that passage. And when I saw this passage the very first time, I went, Oh, my goodness. The devil challenged the word of the Father to the Son for now 40 days. Forty days before, the Father had spoken from heaven and said, you are my beloved Son, and you are well pleased. Forty days later, the devil comes along and says, and questions that if you are the Son of God. Oh, with one more addition, why don't you do something to prove it? Why don't you perform something? Why don't you get back into the performance-oriented lifestyle that ever mankind is in? Well, Jesus, will look at this later in detail. He responded, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But why this is so important is because when I saw this, I realized, oh, my goodness, if the devil attacks the love of the Father and, and the identity of ours as being the Son of God, then I can assure you that the primary thing that he attacks in our life. So if we're going to accomplish, again, back to, back to where our premise is, uh, once we're born again, empowered by the Spirit, that water baptized, receiving the love of the Father and our identity, it's in Christ, is imperative for us to be able to endure the wilderness, for us to endure the time of testing, to go through God's workout room so we can do what He's called us to do. But before we ever get started in understanding the wilderness, you must understand this is where the enemy attacks. That's why we're starting here by saying this is so important. We're going to get in shape, but we got to be sure we got the foundations established. So the foundation is knowing the love of the Father and knowing who you are in Christ and being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those are the foundational things. Uh, have a friend whose son went into the military before he went to busy training. Let me tell you something. He worked out to get in shape because those basic trains are going to kill him. And um, I had a friend years ago that they got drafted and went into the military service, and he was a rather heavy, large man. And uh, he had had a uh, wife had been in an accident, so when he was drafted, he didn't have to go in. They said, as soon as she's well, then call us. Well, he got – I mean, he went to – he called in and they said, now – I mean, he had to call his wife from the airport and say, I'm gone. So he gets off the bus at basic training and he said, you know, when they said, hello, lady, I, I had a feeling it was not going to be real good. And uh, he was—he lost so much weight that, that nobody recognized him when he got back after basic training was over. <laughs> because he said they like to kill him. They wouldn't let him even stop to throw up. He had to throw up running. But the point is, is that What we're talking about is that we want to be ready to go so that when we understand the wilderness, we're not shocked and we're not shaken. So what we're talking about here is understanding, okay, I'm telling you the devil is going to challenge the love of the Father in your life. Something happens and immediately he goes, oh, God doesn't really love you because if God loved you, this wouldn't be going on in your life. And you've got to know that's a life in the pit of hell. You've got to know God loves you. He didn't just love you with words. He loved you with the demonstration of going to the cross and dying for you. You've got to know that you're a child of God, that you are a son, not because of your performance, but based upon his performance. You get grounded in that, in the power of the Spirit, and you really can do anything. So it's so, so very, very important. Again, that's why we keep talking about This whole issue of receiving and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go back to Luke 4, verse 1. Now, remember, when when Jesus was water baptized, he prays and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And the Father speaks from heaven. Well, look at Luke 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Hmm, that's interesting because that's two different things there. And he said he was filled with the Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. Well, we need to understand that if we're going to be sons and daughters of God, if we're going to be successful, now again, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being successful in life so that we can represent the King on the earth. If we're going to be successful, we've got to understand being led by the Spirit. Uh, being led by the Spirit is walking in obedience and placing ourselves under his yoke and being connected to him and the people that he assigns in our lives. So we got to recognize that being led is, I'm not talking about some independent, just going to do what I want to do. No, when you think about, again, going to the military, when you go to the military, the one thing you have to do is learn obedience. I mean, it's like if if they tell you something, you say, yes, sir. Uh, Even if it's wrong, you say, yes, sir. You got to learn obedience because if you don't learn obedience, because what they ground into you is that when the when the when they're firing at you, you have to obey. You can't sit there and go, "Well, I don't know if I want to do that or not." You just you can't do that. It has to work together, even if it's wrong. You still have to work together. So we have to go. We need to understand being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is not a casual thing. It is something that's very very serious, and we need to understand that. That obeying the scripture, obeying the spirit, developing that is important. Would not be here if it wasn't important. Now remember, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, He's filled with the Spirit, and He is led by the Spirit. Now, I want to the, the leading is obviously important. The practical deal, we gotta learn how to do that. Now I want to talk about being filled. Why would it say that he was filled? I thought the Holy Spirit came upon him. I doubt, seriously, that Jesus was ever not filled. But the reality is that Ephesians 5.18 is an interesting verse. It says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's an interesting verse. Now, why would it say that? Well, it seems like that at times, because we walk in this world and we live in this environment, we have a tendency to get distracted and we have a tendency to, to lose the edge, and, and, and again, just not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. This is a command. This is not something that, you know, it's a good suggestion, guys. And what I want to look at here is it says, don't be drunk with wine. Well, the only way you can be drunk with wine is that you have to drink too much. That, there's no other way. The bottle doesn't jump off the table and, and jump down your throat. Uh, glass doesn't. I mean, the only way is that you have to participate in that drinking. So what he says here is that don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, the context of this is is that he's saying, don't do this, but do this. Do be drunk with the Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that connects us to the reality of Christ and, and to the Father. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit on me and in me and all over me to help me to be who God's called me to be so I can accomplish what he created me to accomplish. Now again, Jesus is our pattern. You think about what Jesus did. He was water baptized. Holy Spirit came upon him. The Father spoke from heaven. He went through the wilderness. He returned from the wilderness, verse 14 of Luke says, in the power of the Spirit, we want the power of the Spirit. Oh, looks to me like we're going to have to follow his pattern. We're going to have to do the same thing that he did, and we're going to need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what the Holy Spirit does is cause us to live in a manner that's sensitive to him. When we're living our own life in this world, there's so many distractions. So, it's what he's saying is, so guys, you got to understand, you need to be, you're responsible for continually being filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? Well, you live in a continual awareness of His presence. You, live, you don't live with, I go to church or I'm going to do spiritual things. No, I live in a continual awareness of the presence of the living God by the Spirit living in me. So we've got to be careful of the things that, that come in and sneak in and distract us. Uh, Getting upset with people, uh, the things of the world, the things that uh, are out there all over. There's things that are pulling at us all the time that are trying to drain us away from the reality of, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. I'm a to join air with Jesus. It's a spirit of adoption that lives in me and I am his beloved. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to live in that place. He wants us to live that way. And so I want to close with Ephesians chapter three. And uh, this is a prayer that's in Ephesians chapter three, and then we'll, we'll close with this. But it's so important to recognize that really God has given to us everything that we need. This is Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, as you being rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amazing prayer. I encourage you to pray that prayer. I encourage you to go back and look at that. He's prayed that the spirit would be dwelling in our hearts, would be strengthened with his might, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. If you're rooted and grounded in love, that's what's going to come out that we would know the width and the length and the height and the depth, which looks like a cross to me, of how much that love is not just talked about, but it's a demonstrated love. And it would be, we'd not just have intellectual understanding, but it would be that revelation of the love of the Father. That's what He wants for us. So I want to pray for you. And uh, as we continue on in our journey here, we uh, get grounded in him. As we, if we pray this, get grounded, then we're going to be able to, to really embrace what he has for us, to help us to not feel beat up, but we're going to feel strengthened and empowered to do what God's called us to do. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for your amazing love for us. And again, I ask you to baptize us and fill us with your very presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. I pray, Lord, that you'd continue that revelation of your love and, and the revelation of who we are in you. That, Lord, that we would know that we are your beloved sons and daughters. You chose us. You called us. You paid for us with your life. So help us to understand and walk in the fullness of what you have paid for. Lord, we love you. We bless you. And we just thank you so much. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymoore.org.